0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review.
1: Three Martini's coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. For the first time in three podcasts, we actually have a good martini, but you are going to have to wait for it. We're going slightly out of order today. Bad, good, crazy. Uh, We're still talking about Afghanistan and uh, more of the fallout. This is more uh, stateside than what's happening over there, although what's happening over there still isn't good. But hopefully we're able to evacuate a lot of the Americans, if not all of the Americans and a lot of the people who helped us over the years uh, before things uh, deteriorate even further. But Jim, we're going to start with yesterday's speech at the White House from President Biden, who was kind enough to fly in from Camp David and then immediately flew back to Camp David. Give about a 20-minute speech that was uh, full of things that uh, aren't true, uh, a bunch of straw men in there. We'll get to all of this here in this series of five different clips. First of all, he starts out by telling us that they plan for every contingency.
2: My national security team and I have been closely monitoring the situation on the ground in Afghanistan and moving quickly to execute the plans we had put in place to respond to every constituency, including, and contingency, including the rapid collapse we're seeing now
1: so the thousands of stranded people and the Taliban getting all our equipment that was that was part of the plan uh, he also managed to ding his uh, former boss Barack Obama
2: I've argued for many years that our missions should be narrowly focused on counterterrorism not counterinsurgency or nation-building that's why I opposed the surge when it was proposed in 2009 when I was vice president
1: And then he talked about uh, the deal that Trump made with the Taliban and how his hands were tied and he set up this straw man about uh, the two choices that were available to
2: him. There was no agreement protecting our forces after May 1. There was no status quo of stability without American casualties after May 1. There was only a cold reality of either following through on the agreement to withdraw our forces or escalating the conflict and sending thousands more American troops back into combat in Afghanistan.
1: Then he talked about uh, the Afghans allegedly being unwilling to fight.
2: If anything, the developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves.
1: So this dumpster fire of a policy you're watching unfold proves that his policy was right. But he is not going to abandon Afghanistan, Jim. I'm sure the Afghan people will be very
2: comforted by this. We will continue to support the Afghan people. We will lead with our diplomacy, our international influence, and our humanitarian aid. We'll continue to push for regional diplomacy and engagement to prevent violence and instability. We'll continue to speak out for the basic rights of the Afghan people, of women and girls, just as we speak out all over the world.
1: Jim, so many frustrating elements to this speech. What was the biggest gut punch for you? Uh,
3: uh, I mean, It was a buffet table of bullcrap. <laughs> uh, and I could have used other words there because there was just such a variety. But I think one of the things that jumped out that, that really kind of strikes me is the degree to which um, he, a, a lot of p- folks who are fans of Trump are saying how he's, you know, acting like Trump tied his hands. And there was nothing he could do that, you know, Biden can undo every single policy decision that Trump made, except for this one. This one had to stay in place. But I, there's one passage there where he says um, U.S. forces are already drawn down from roughly 15,500 to 2,500, and the Taliban was at its strongest militarily since 2001. The choice I had to make as your president, either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. Greg, how many years of experience does the U.S. military have in fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season? I'm guessing about 19 years worth of experience of that.
1: That's my count. You know,
3: the idea was we we had to avoid that at all costs. That was the worst possible scenario. There was no way the Biden administration could say, you know what? We want to withdraw all our troops in November. I know we agreed to May. We decided not to do that. It's gonna be November. Take it or leave it, Taliban. You wanna fight, we'll fight. As if the arsenal of democracy, as if the US military had no ability to influence what was going on on the ground in Afghanistan. That was the truly absurd part. That if Biden really thought this was a bad agreement and that the Trump administration had left him with a really terrible deal that was negotiated with a Taliban that had no intention of keeping its word. My colleague Andy McCarthy has a really good piece on this on the, uh, homepage of National Reviews today. Um, Biden could have said that, he chose not to do that. He chose to push it back to this bizarre, symbolic date of September 11th, 2021. And then the Taliban basically took that as a signal of, okay, the US is going out, time for us to attack. In fact, intelligence apparently was indicating the Taliban had no intention of uh, power sharing or negotiating a settlement or anything like that. They were pressing for a full military victory while they were at the negotiating table uh Biden's the powerlessness the way he described that is probably the most disturbing um the the other thing also is like it's interesting we kept saying you know I will always be honest with you the only thing he said was this did unfold more quickly than we anticipated that's an epic euphemism (laughs) you know a a little more than a month ago he had gone before the American public and assured us none of this was going to happen right we were not going to have it was not going to be Saigon It's the likelihood that the Taliban will overrun everything and own the whole country is highly unlikely. And then after all that, he had the nerve to go before the American people and say, we were clear eyed about the risks. This is the most spectacular gaslighting I've ever heard from an American president. Me, you know, my my tongue, the little bit of, you know, gallows humor that I could assemble yesterday was the observation that the disaster of the press conference was that all the gaslighting ignited all the uh, straw men that had been assembled <laughs> uh, biden had no interest in defending how this uh withdrawal was going uh you, can't, you really can't defend it. it is indefensible that in the end the decision of the administration was we're going to pull out the armed and trained troops before we evacuate all of the unarmed and untrained civilians in right. afghanistan that makes no sense by anybody's you know uh mentality the end result is this disaster. The administration insists everything fine. They're still claiming they're going to get everybody out by the end of the month. Yeah, less than two weeks. I'm not so sure that's going to shake out that way. Um, and just, you know, it was it was we should not be surprised then that the congressional Democrats are apparently spitting mad about this. Our European allies are horrified by this. Um, you know, the, as we mentioned yesterday, Taiwan, Ukraine, the Baltics, all of them are feeling much more nervous because Biden has said the signal we were not willing to fight the Taliban at all if it was gonna require us to be there any longer. And that is a uh, signal of capitulation, a signal of surrender. And in the end, I mean, the the anniversary of, of the the 20 year anniversary of 9-11 will come and the Taliban will have won the war. They will have ended the, you know, 20 years later in control of Afghanistan, except this time, they have a lot of American made weapons.
1: Exactly. That's just the unbelievable part. So clearly that wasn't well planned for. The abandonment of uh, Bagram in the middle of the night without telling anyone. And as you said, you know, before we could get the civilians out, who obviously needed that sort of protection. And then there's subtle lies in there, too. The idea that we're actually out on the battlefield fighting against the Taliban, one was the Afghan forces. I mean, when we were getting closer to this point, uh, you were pointing out that we haven't had a fatality in Afghanistan for a long time. It's because we're providing intel and we're providing uh, air support. But they're the ones on the ground doing that it's when we took away the close air support uh, that they were pretty much uh, left out uh, on the battlefield and they couldn't fight anymore and that's why they ended up uh, laying down their arms and so it's uh, it's a lot of deception a lot of half-truths and outright lies and it's just just unbelievable what he's trying to uh, explain here because look a a lot of Americans are fine with ending the war uh, in Afghanistan but the fact of how he handled this withdrawal is absolutely abysmal and he tried to conflate the two yesterday that the, the that they were one and the same and so that if you're critical of what he's doing you actually want the war to continue and that's just a completely ridiculous way to assess the debacle we've seen over the past week and change
3: Let's also observe that this comes after four days of President Biden simply not being accessible to the public at all. Right. Um, One of the great ironies, there are a lot of painful ironies out of this, but one of them was Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, giving a speech earlier this year of saying, well, look, it's not like, you know, the Afghan government will be in charge on a Friday and the Taliban will take over by Monday. That's pretty much literally how it shook (laughs) out. Right. During that four day period, you know, between Thursday morning and Monday afternoon, President Biden did not address the public. We talked about the idiotic tweet yesterday showing the monitors for CIA and Doha station. But then the other thing is though, he goes out and he gives this 20 minute speech full of straw men, full of gaslighting, full of inaccuracies, full of lies. And he then takes no questions. And also let's point out this was, you know, to the extent Biden is capable of giving a good speech, this was not one of them. Uh, He looked and sounded tired, reading words from a teleprompter, no passion behind it. Um, and then he turned and didn't take any questions. Now apparently he's going to do an interview with <clears throat> George Stephanopoulos later this week. <laughs> the reaction of everybody on the right is going to be, "Oh, okay, so Biden's really in trouble, and he turns to the former Clinton aide to do the interview." Um, and you know, after uh, uh, with I, an interview that I assume will address heavily uh, this, what's happened in Afghanistan. I guess there's a small chance that uh, that Stephanopoulos knows how he's being set up here. That he looks like he's the the softy, that he's the, the the guy's guy who's gonna get rolled in this uh, interview. It's possible St- Stephanopoulos decides to bring it. Because he knows that if he throws softballs, he's gonna get ripped to high heaven uh, over this one. So it's possible this backfires. And that if you go into if you go in other words, if you go in, went in with like Chris Wallace or something, or somebody who um, anybody on Fox News really, anybody who has seen a s or Jake Tapper, who's been spitting hot fire having written a book about Uh, the sacrifices of our men and women in uniform in Afghanistan, Um, that if Biden went out there and had a really rough interview with somebody who was expected to give him a rough interview, okay, that would do something. I I guess we should be glad, though, Greg, that he didn't pick uh, Chris Cuomo. (laughs) Uh,
1: He's still talking about Ron DeSantis in Florida, I think, uh, because he uh, refuses to talk about much else, although I heard that he did address, at least briefly, the situation with his brother. I didn't watch it, because I don't watch CNN, but uh, I did watch... uh uh, MSNBC, actually, uh, before and during the speech yesterday. I'm not really sure why. I just happened to be on the TV here at the office, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, in the meantime, let's talk about ways to uh, email without big tech, or even Big Brother snooping on you for that matter. Uh, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo aren't really free because you pay with your privacy. In fact, internet giants bank on exploiting your data by selling it to the highest bidder. Your business plan, yeah, Google has it. Your medical records, Yahoo can sell those to the drug companies. Lots of different things that you either search for or, or talk about in your emails or other communications, uh, business work, all that is available. Uh, but Start Mail is different. Start Mail is the one that's going to protect you from snooping big tech, snooping big government, and everybody else.
3: Start Mail keeps your email private, period. Every email can be encrypted, even if the recipient is not using encryption. And when you delete an email in Startmail, it is gone forever. Now, switching to Startmail can be seamless, too. You easily transfer all your current email data so there's no starting from scratch. Startmail is also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. They have unlimited anonymous aliases. This feature protects your main email address from spam and phishing attacks. So when you're giving your email to a company but you wanna protect your identity, Startmail can generate a shareable alias email so people can't sell your information and they can be deleted at any time.
1: Yeah, this is a very different way to do email. As Jim has just explained, uh, he and I uh, are looking forward to uh, seeing all the benefits that StartMail uh, has to provide us. And you can start securing your email privacy with StartMail as well. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to StartMail.com martini. That's StartMail with a T-S-T-A-R-T-M-A-I-L dot com slash martini for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash martini. All right, Jim, over to uh, our good martini now. And it's not often that MSNBC provides that, but uh, uh, that just happened to be on in the office yesterday. And just before they cut over to Biden's speech, I kid you not, they were interviewing a spokesman for the Taliban. Uh, talking about how things were going to be just fine in Afghanistan, and as far as I could tell, no follow-up or challenging questions. But uh, nonetheless, they eventually went over to the Biden speech, and they covered the, the you know, they aired the speech, and then Brian Williams was anchoring that coverage, and he comes back, and for some reason, he fell in love with the word consequential, a consequential speech, on a consequential issue, and a consequential moment in the Biden administration. So he just went with that word pretty much all day. And then he welcomed in Matt Zeller, who's an Afghan war veteran, army veteran, and he's the co-founder of a group named uh, No One Left Behind. He's trying to get uh, our Afghan friends out of there before uh, the Taliban slaughters them all. Because despite what you're hearing from the Taliban and others, that's exactly what's happening there. So Williams assumed that Matt Zeller would love Biden's speech. He assumed wrong.
2: So I'm curious to hear your reaction of this consequential speech by the American president didn't run from it, he owned it, he owned his decision, he owned the fact that as he put it, the buck stops with him.
0: I hope he gets to own their deaths too. I, I don't, I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys, I was appalled. There was such a profound bold faced lie in that speech, the idea that we plan for every contingency, I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. The thing that they were most concerned about was the optics of a chaotic evacuation. Well, they got exactly what they were most concerned of by failing to do what was right when we could have done it. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago, and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks we only need to take 2,000 people. There's 86,000 people who are currently left behind in Afghanistan alone. We've identified all of them for the government. I have no idea why they. they, they he claims that people don't want to leave Afghanistan. I have a list of 14,000 names right now of people who want to get out of Afghanistan. And the idea that the Afghan military should be blamed for this, do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year? More than the United States did in 20. When you're not getting paid on a regular basis, when you're not getting fuel, when no one is supplying you with ammunition, and yet you're still showing up to the fight, how dare us for having to blame these people for not having the audacity to be able to survive a Taliban onslaught.
1: Jim, that might be the most honest two minutes on MSNBC in about a decade.
0: I was going to say first of all
3: bravo to zeller but i think more than that we do a lot of complaining about you know what we call media bias on this podcast and i'm sure there are some listeners who like yes absolutely and there are some who probably get tired of it or you know i'm sure lots of conservatives out there who get tired of complaining about it and i think what we just saw from brian williams is a really vivid demonstration of the damage of of why this is such a um, toxic and w- almost an acidic influence in our public life uh, and I'm not going to go for the easy cheap joke that why is he giving so much grief to Brian Williams because Brian Williams was in that helicopter just like all the other guys in the uniform <laughs> I think in the end look Biden has screwed up here really badly that, that's you know, there's no two ways about it even if you believe the U.S. should be completely getting out of Afghanistan the idea that we should have left as soon as the Taliban collapsed or even no matter what it is you can't look at what we're seeing here and saying with, with you know thousands of Americans still stuck in the country, uh, barely tentative control over the airport, with the you know ta- Taliban having completely encircled it, um, the risk to Americans considerable, the chaotic scenes uh, of people falling from the, uh, uh, the the hasty evacuation of the embassy, the people falling from planes, this is about as bad as it gets and if you can't you you can be the biggest democrat in the world you can be the biggest isolationist in the world you can be the biggest interventionist in the world You can be whatever your viewpoint i'd like i would like to think you look at that and say wow this is bad this is really going to be consequential we have to avoid making a mistake like this again we can discuss about what exactly that mistake was you know, people are going to argue we could have done this back during different during the Bush days. We could have done this differently during the Obama years. We could have done this differently during the Trump years and what Biden could have done after he came into office. We're going to have those debates. But if your argument is to look at this and say, yep, Biden nailed it. Biden knows what he's doing. Biden is, you know, what, what a responsible and inspiring leader. The way Brian Williams stood before, you know, sat in front of that camera and had the audacity to try to claim. You're basically arguing America should learn nothing. You are telling America, you're handing America uh, chicken you-know-what and insisting it's chicken salad. You are insisting that 2 plus 2 equals 5. And that is, you know, besides the Baghdad-Bob comparisons and all that kind of stuff, that is, uh, we, we are doomed to make more mistakes like this if we insist that something bad is something good. And that is what Brian Williams tried to do yesterday. And thank God Zeller was there to call him out on it and hopefully make Brian Williams feel a little bit of shame, presuming he's still capable of that.
1: Yeah, kudos also to Richard Engel, uh, MSNBC, or I guess NBC's uh, foreign affairs correspondent. He pretty much uh, called BS on the whole speech, saying they knew exactly that this was a very real possibility. This wasn't faster than they expected. Everyone was telling them that uh, this was exactly uh, what was likely to happen as the Taliban gained more speed and more momentum in all these different provinces. So uh, the idea that this caught them off guard is ridiculous. But uh, good for Zeller and, uh, yeah, the uh, I think MSNBC, most people there were starting to break Break out in hives because they were, you know, had to be critical of the Biden administration for about 24 or 48 hours. So when Biden finally said something, as long as it was in English or complete sentences, they were going to praise it, regardless of how eh. full of holes it was. But uh, let's talk about uh, our next piece of uh, good news here, and that's that you can still get a phenomenal deal on your six-piece towel set from My Pillow, uh, because nothing beats the feel of a luxurious towel, especially when you're stepping out of the shower. So. Wrap yourself in nothing but the best, which, again, is on sale by a lot right now. Uh, The towels from my pillow are super fluffy. They're big, they're soft, and they get you dry really, really quickly.
3: Regularly one hundred nine dollars and ninety nine cents. This six piece towel set is now just thirty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Now, each set is two bath towels, two hand towels and a washcloth two pack. They are made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent and soft to the touch without that lotiony feel. They're made from cotton grown right here in the United States of America. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes and they're machine washable. But what's more, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty.
1: So visit MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Specials button, and use the promo code Martini at checkout or call 800-874-0104. It's the MyPillow six-piece towel set for only $39.99. While you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets and the MyPillow premium pillows. MyPillow.com. Or call 800-874-0104. Jim, I'm looking up at the TV now. I don't, why does everybody keep changing it to MSNBC in here? Ezekiel Emanuel is on talking about um, COVID. I assume he's going to recommend that people over 75 just tough it out. I don't know. but
3: uh, <laughs> Report down to your local Soylent Center for <laughs> processing.
1: All right, He's not our crazy martini, although he could be. But uh, staying on this topic, uh, let's head over to the State Department, because this is perhaps the most pathetic argument of the day yesterday. Ned Price is the State Department spokesperson, and he's got some big demands for the Taliban as they take over in Afghanistan. The international community has some serious expectations for them, Jim, such as this.
3: Additionally, The UN Security Council issued a joint press statement earlier today calling for a new government that is united, inclusive, and representative, including with the full and and meaningful participation of women. The Council spoke with one voice to underscore that Afghanistan must abide
0: by its international obligations, including to international humanitarian law, and ensure the safety and security of all Afghans and international citizens.
1: Jim, how high do you think equity and inclusiveness are on the Taliban's priority list as they take over in Afghanistan?
3: It almost feels like a parody in which they have followed news coverage or the New York Times op-ed page through the internet and have figured out exactly which buzzwords they have to use to placate American liberals to assume that they're not that to assume that they're they're not such bad guys. Uh, and that, you know, the Michael Moore's the world can continue to denounce the you know Trump supporters as the American Taliban. They never get actually that upset about the actual, you know, Taliban Taliban, No, no. it's much more the American Taliban that upsets them so much. Uh, I'm looking at the front page of The Wall Street Journal today headline, quote, first day of Taliban rule brings beatings and fear. Uh, there's also footage floating around of, you know, executions in the street, Taliban soldiers detaining people in the streets of Kabul. You look at this, you're kind of wondering the United Nations, you know, security. Have they met the Taliban? Have they ever heard anything about them? Is there anything in God's green earth to make them think they're going to create an inclusive government that respects the rights of women? Good heavens. You know, like our expectations for the United Nations were low. But the idea that they don't realize what self-parodies they have become of utterly powerless, utterly useless and just only able to mouth meaningless buzzwords as the situation as you know an entire country's worth of men women and children get forced into oppression brutality and it's in many cases you know underage sex slavery i mean it just you are utterly useless united nations and it's a kind of it is kind of interesting you notice year by year the usual liberal democratic arguments of, oh, you know, we got to check with the United Nations or what does the UN think or maybe the UN can handle this. You really don't hear that in US politics nearly as much as you used to. There's a much more open acknowledgement that the United Nations is utterly useless when it comes to a genuine foreign crisis. And I don't know if it'll go the way of the League of Nations, but I think it's simply kind of fading into irrelevancy as the years go by.
1: It's fascinating to watch what uh, libs want to hear. And so that is what they hear. So there was this Taliban press conference today. And one of the first questions was, will you respect women's rights? And their answer was, yes, we're going to respect women's rights in the context of Sharia law. And so the left is like, oh, <laughs> they're going to respect women's rights. And you're like, did, did you miss the second part? Because that pretty much means there are none.
3: I was going to say, deep down, they don't actually know. <laughs> what do you know? Like, you know. That's basically an admission that they don't know what uh, women's rights are.
1: Oh, my gosh. Or Sharia law. Uh, Jim, I, I I, don't think things are necessarily better than they were yesterday, but I don't feel quite as depressed. So We've uh, had a
3: day to process it. That's <laughs> what it amounts we to. We have.
1: Me. We have. Anyway, have a good one. See you tomorrow.
3: See you tomorrow,
1: Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, Please do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. We're very grateful for those five-star ratings, also your kind reviews. You can find us on those home devices. Just say play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Also, please follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Tuesday, and please join us again on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. There's never a shortage of craziness going on in the news, and we're here to talk about it all. Everyone is trying to fight vaccine misinformation as opposing new studies continue to come out. The Senate is set to pass a $1 trillion infrastructure bill, and Andrew Cuomo has finally chosen to resign after multiple sexual harassment allegations.
0: Hey, it's the Chicks from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics to pop culture, nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on i iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, well, let's talk about some more good news and that's 4 Patriots where you can find them at 4patriots.com/martini and find all the great deals including getting a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. As we always say with 4 Patriots, you need to be prepared cuz you just don't know when the power is going to go out. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X is worth its weight in gold because it has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run all the big appliances like your fridge, your freezer, and medical devices. comes with 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Never needs gas, thanks to that solar panel. Fume-free, silent, and safe. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Visit 4patriots.com martini to get your Patriot Power Generator Two thousand X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over ninety seven dollars. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number four, patriots.com slash martini. That's four patriots.com slash martini. With
3: Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky
1: just about anywhere.